copy of God's Word. And join me in turning, if you would, to the New Testament book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm really looking forward to beginning a new teaching series today. It's a series that I believe can help each and every one of us. We're calling it Falling Into Place. And, and the big idea in this study that we're going to be going through is that we're at a great time in the year for making adjustments. And of course, things in life don't just fall into place. I'm kind of using that as a way of looking at the fall season and helping us to understand the need to make sure that things are in place as we come into this time of year. I've, I've long held the personal opinion that there are two most important months in the year. And uh, January, for me, would be the first one. That's when you're getting a year started. But I think as we come into September, that for me is the, the second time of the year where I say, man, now's the time. We've kind of come through a summer season here, and it's time to make some adjustments. And my goal in these three weeks that we're going to be together, it's going to be to help us to maximize the time that God has given us. Now, next Sunday, uh, I'll be bringing a message, and I want you to catch this subtitle. If you're still listening, say Amen. I lost you already, we're in big trouble, right? But uh, next week, I'm going to bring a message, and the subtitle is this, How to Help Your Child, or Anyone Else for that Matter, to Succeed. All right. Now, a few of you might know that Lisa and I were away on vacation. We had a great time. I wanted to show a bunch of vacation photos, and several people told me that uh, that would probably be of no interest to anybody. Uh, but there's one I wanted to share. So if you'll humor me, I want to just show you one uh, picture real quick. Let's put it up there. All right. That's my favorite vacation photo. Uh, I, I got Calia ice cream. Uh, we were together the last few days, and, uh, and, and uh, she called those baby ice creams, you know. And uh, little Ben and Jerry's a small one. I, I asked her, what do you think of this ice cream? She thought it was pretty good, okay? And uh, we had a great time together with our family. And uh, we, we visited some great churches while we were gone and enjoyed that. But uh, I, my heart's at Coastline. And so I'd get online and watch the services. And Callie jumped in my lap last Sunday. And uh, she was watching the song service, and Callie loves Ryan, who leads our worship here. She calls him Ian, okay? And uh, so we're going through the music, and, and then uh, Ryan got done, and he walked away. And Jeremy Stallnecker, who preached while I was gone, he came to the pulpit, and Callie looked at me. She said, where'd Ian go? And uh, I said, well, honey, he's done. Now, now Jeremy's going to come. He's going to preach the word. She got up and walked away. All right, she was done. <laughs> She wanted nothing to do with the preaching of the word. She wanted to hear Ian, Ian sing. But I want you to know, I did not turn it off. I listened. And man, Jeremy did a fantastic job teaching the word. And he made a statement last week that I thought, we all need to hear that. He brought a message that had an emphasis on parenting, but he said, really, parenting is nothing more than biblical discipleship. And we can't hear a sermon on something like parenting without all of us, whether we're parents or not, learning how we can be the influence that Christ would have us to be and so next week uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about how to help your child succeed but it's more than that it's how to help your child or anyone else to succeed and and I I really believe that success in life it's not measured by real estate by bank account balances by any of those kinds of things I, I believe a successful life is one that helps others and that's where joy is found and so you need to be here next week bring a guest with you if you have any friends that uh, are are putting kids back into school or maybe for the first time into school, this message, I believe, will be a great source of encouragement for you. And then as we move forward, I'm going to close this little mini-series uh, with a message on how to order our lives. And uh, I, I do believe it can be uh, very helpful for all of us. Today, I'll be talking about this matter of making space in our schedules. 
And I think this is a topic that really does deserve our attention. And of course, God speaks to it in his word. I, I often ask people, hey, how are you doing? And the most off reply I get when that question is asked is, man, I am tired. I'm tired. Man, I'm busy. And I think people say that, first of all, because they're tired. And second of all, because they are busy. And we're living in a day and age where the pace of our lives is really dangerously quick. And most people are living tired lives, and they're living busy lives. And when it comes to this matter of our personal schedules, we all tend to struggle. Several years ago, I read a book that really had a huge impact on my life. It's not a Christian book. It was a book written by a man by the name of Jim Lower. It was called The Power of Full Engagement. And as this man talked about his approach to productivity and work and so forth, he laid out the research that went into the book that he wrote. And, and, and he talked about this in-depth study they did in people who are working long hours, they're busy, and they're tired. And what he discovered is that people who are busy and people who are tired are often the least productive people there are. And, and we would look at it the other way. We would say, man, if you're working super long hours and if you're pressing through, you're probably getting more done than anyone. But in reality, we become less productive. We may spend more time, but the result from our labor tends to diminish. And the sad part about this for me is the fact that when we run in, in the red zone, if you would, in our lives, uh, what suffers is not necessarily our jobs you got to have a job. What tends to suffer are our families, the relationships we have in our lives. And we, we degenerate, and, and, and our lives get in a position where, where we're no longer uh, uh, um, um, living uh, to, to work. We're working as a way to make a life. And all of life becomes wrapped up in employment and many times in materialism. And, and I believe this is a topic that we're going to discuss today that we all need to get a hold of. Each of us. Now, as I prepared for this message, I kind of had a deja vu moment. And I thought, this message I'm writing, I knew it was fresh. I knew it was unique. It was something that I had, I had learned in time in the Word. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to share this. And as I was putting these pieces together, I thought, man, I feel like I've taught this before. And when I really thought on it and went back in my notes, it reminded me a lot of a message I brought a few months ago dealing with God's formula for our finances. And when I made that connection, it's like lights began to go off and I discovered uh, there's a reason that sounds familiar because money and time are very similar. You see, money and time are, are commodities, if you would, that can be spent and they can be invested, they can be wasted. But there's something you can do with money that you cannot do with time. You can save money. You can't, you can't save time. We often say things like, well, really, I just need to manage my time better. And I know what we mean by that, and I appreciate that terminology, but how many of you realize we can't actually manage time? There's not one thing you can do to make that second hand on the clock tick any slower. Really, what we need to do is learn how to manage ourselves, how to manage the way we live in the context of time. And we're going to find this in the passage that we'll go through today. Uh, a message on time, I should tell you up front. Uh, I will seek to be timely today. Can I get an amen? But I've got a lot to say, so I will move quickly. If you'll listen as fast as I speak, say amen again. Very good. If you'd be so kind as to join me in standing this morning, we'll read our text together. And if you're glad to be in church, say amen. 
I, I am so glad to be here. We had a great time away, but there's nothing like home. And uh, I love this church family, and uh, I'm glad to be with you today. Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading this morning in verse 15. Ephesians 5 and verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now, I'm going to read on, but when you see the little word ye in the Bible, we say, well, that's an old-fashioned word. It actually is so old it predates the, the, uh, the translation of Scripture I'm reading today, the King James Bible. It was old even for them. You say, well, why would they use that little word ye? Well, they were really trying to emphasize grammatically uh, who the Bible's written to in specific passages. You see, all of the Bible's not written to me, but all of the Bible is for me. So when I get in a text, it helps me to understand who is writing, to whom are they writing, what application can be made from the interpretation that is gleaned. And that little word ye is plural for you. It means you all. And I'm, I'm emphasizing this because I want you to know, nobody in this room today can say, well, this study's not for me. Ye is an all-encompassing term. It means you all. Verse 16. Redeeming the time... Because the days are evil. How many would agree with me that we're living in evil days? The Bible says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always. For all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I'd like for if you would please to look to the end of verse 17. And we find a statement there that will really build this study around. And the end of verse 17, the Bible says, the will of the Lord. And that statement really should answer any question we have as it relates to our schedules in life. Our Father, we're very grateful uh, for your love and the privilege we have to be in this place today. Uh, open our hearts, help us to learn. May decisions be made today that will help us in every part of our lives. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Tomorrow morning we'll wake up, it'll be Monday, and we'll have what we will call a new week ahead of us. And I'm going to get something tomorrow morning that you're going to get as well. None of us will get more of it and none of us will get less of it. We're all going to get the time that this week affords us. We're all going to get 168 hours. Now, I don't think anybody in here is typical, but if we were to take an average, I could, I could know some things about our church in general. It would apply to you. It would apply to me. We know that we all had things that we need to do next week. On, on average, uh, you're going to sleep next week of those 168 hours, you're going to sleep about 56 of those hours away. And then when you wake up, you're going to take a shower. At least I hope you will, all right? And so we've got to take a shower and we've got to eat some meals during the course of the day. And if you were to take the average time for showering and eating, that's going to take up about 24 hours of your next week. For many of us, it's more. But, but if you were to work the minimum hours that a full-time job requires and, in fact, are in a commute, uh, you're going to spend about 50 or more hours a week working. After all of that, there's only 35 hours left in your week. That means that each of us only have, on average, 
about five hours a day of what we would call discretionary time. 24 hours in a day, but most of it's already filled with things. It just absolutely must happen. When you think of it in terms of five hours a day, you realize how important it is that we prioritize and plan the time that we have. Now, this might be a good spot to stop and say, well, let's tinker with the typical schedule. Maybe we could work on that a bit. Maybe we could say, well, let's take a shorter shower. Let's take a shorter shower. Save some time there. Free up some more time in our schedule. Maybe we could say, uh, let's eat faster, all right? And I eat pretty fast already. I can't help it. Maybe, maybe you could say, well, I'll eat faster. I'll save some time there. Uh, some have said, well, I'll sleep less. I'll sleep less. Uh, some have said, well, if I've got to drive, I'll drive faster. My wife does that already. She's saving time every day, everywhere she goes, saving time. And uh, uh, there may be some merit or value in tweaking our schedule, but really everything I just said is is really out of bounds. I think we all need to get rest and we all need to eat. We, We need to make sure that we're doing those kinds of things. I want you to imagine this. Jesus Christ, God the Son, changed the course of humanity. His ministry changed everything and it consisted of three short years. Three years. Jesus was busy. But we never one time read of him rushing. There was nothing left undone in his life. There's not one verse in which we read that he was running late or that he missed an appointment. He had a schedule in his life that he referred to often. He followed that. And our God who lives outside of the realm of time totally understands time. And he totally understands the nature of our lives. In fact, Jesus once said in John 11, he said, are there not 12 hours in a day? And among other things in that statement, Jesus was mentioning, hey, we've all got the same amount of time and Jesus knows how much time we we have. And, And it's important that we realize we have a God who understands time. He created it. He understands us. He created it. I think of David, the well known king in the Old Testament. David on one occasion prayed this in Psalm 90. He said to the Lord, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom david was a busy king and he's going to god in prayer and he's saying in essence god i've got a lot to do i've got a busy life i need your help to order my life in such a way that i get the things done that you say are important for me to do and david is praying there lord please teach me in the passage before us today we have some teaching from god through his word about how we can schedule our lives in such a way that we can make some space in our schedules. So as we work together, and I do hope you'll work with me today, several thoughts. Here's the first element we're going to find in this passage today. Number one, your purpose provides your protection. Your purpose provides your protection. In fact, let's say that together this morning. Ready, begin. Your purpose provides your protection. Let's try it again. Your purpose provides your protection. We've got to get this thought nailed down. Now, in our opening verse, we read this. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And then I want to jump down to verse 17, and I want to, I want to add to, uh, from what we find in that verse where the Bible says, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so uh, the Bible says, listen, walk circumspectly. I'll talk more about that in a moment. The Bible says, make sure you're living a wise life, not a foolish life. And then we couple that together with this idea, but, but you need to understand what the will 
of the Lord is. And I want to encourage you today with this thought. Nothing will help you to guard your schedule like beginning with the end in mind. And the end game in a life of a Christian is to do the will of God. It's to do that which God would have us to do. I think of the Apostle Paul, the human penman that the Lord used to write this New Testament book of Ephesians. He was a busy man. Uh, Maybe the greatest missionary in the history of the church. He was the most prolific writer in the New Testament. His life literally changed the world. And I believe that we get some insight into how he did that if we were to go all the way back to the day he met Jesus Christ. And the first conversation he had with Jesus Christ, here he is, he just comes to faith in Jesus, the first conversation he has with the Lord, and and, and he says this in Acts 22 to the Lord, what shall I do, Lord? That's where it all began for him. It's no wonder he got so much done in his life. He he began with the end in mind. He said, you know, all I want to do is your will, God. Would you help me to know your will so that I may do what you would have me to do? Now, there are some things in life that only you can do. And this is where you begin to discern what your purpose in life is. There are some things that only you can do. If you're married, it includes that. Nobody can be a husband to my wife, Lisa, but me. That's something only I can do. If you're a parent, certainly, it includes that. Your personal health. It's something to be stewarded over. You can't delegate that to anybody. It's something only you can do. Your spiritual vitality would be included in there. And proper life management begins as I consider what the will of the Lord is for my life. I've made a practice in my Christian life of spending time reading God's word each day. And and years ago, I added to that spending time after reading the Bible, uh, journaling and writing some thoughts down that God has given me from his word and and there's a journal i've used for uh, the last several years i just picked an old one up off my shelf this morning this one's from 2014 and uh i'm not promoting this journal if you want one they're in our our bookstore uh but what i'm about to tell you you could do i'm just piece of notebook paper uh the first few pages of this journal kind of talk about how to use it and there's a process i won't go into in great depth but in the back there's a fly leaf that opens up And there's a a list that says, my God-given roles, and it's blank. It's a list I fill out. What are the roles that God has given to me? I'll I'll share with you my list. It'll be unique to me. Yours will be unique to you. Uh, uh, My list, the first one says Christian. I can't delegate my Christian life to anyone else. I'm the only one that can do that. So my God-given roles begins there. Uh, My next one says husband. Next, dad. Then I put extended family. And then I put pastor. And then I put friend. Now, the reason I'm sharing this with you is it's helpful for me on a daily basis as I spend time in the Word and in prayer to get a journal like this. And as I began to think about my day, to open up the fly leaf and and know there are a lot of things I want to do, a lot of things I need to get to, but I need to look at these these roles that God has put into my life that help to constitute a purpose. And and I need to say, all right, what am I doing today that's affecting my Christian life? What am I doing today that will help me be a good husband? Can Lisa say amen? Think on that more, Steve. She's thinking, right? Uh, How am I doing as a dad and extended family and on I could go. It is so important for us to say, you know, when I think of all that needs to happen in life, there are some things that only I can do. And it provides a protection for us uh, when, when we come beginning by looking at God's purpose. Now, when we began, I shared that the typical person has only five discretionary hours a day. And I think for most of us, we'd say that five hours does not happen often. 
I'm sure your life is busy. My life is busy. Uh, most, most days, not only are the days full, but most nights I've, I've got things that I need to do. Five hours would be pretty generous. But you know, really, if I were to follow you around and take careful notes of how you spend whatever amount of discretionary time you have, I could discern in a hurry what's important to you and what you're really living for. I wonder if that were done of you or of me, would someone conclude they're living for God? These people really love their family. That uh, They're doing what they're doing to help and serve others. Or maybe I'd conclude, you know what? This person loves TV. They love it. Like they're using almost all of their discretionary time to watch it. They love TV. Uh, maybe I'd say uh, they love their hobby or, or they love video games or, or they love social networking. Now, I'm not against recreation. Of course not. But, but listen, when I live according to God's purpose, what happens is it brings a protection around my life. When I begin with the end in mind, when I go over those roles that God has placed in my life, it helps me to keep the main things in the right order in my life. I become a good manager of those relationships that are the most important when I begin with God. So your purpose provides your protection. Here's the thought today. Your protection is found in his plan. God has a plan for life. And the protection is found in that. Now, our opening verse spoke of, of walking. It was dealing with a path. And, and we read, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now, circumspectly, obviously, it means to look around, and it deals with care. But really, there's a, a larger picture here. We need to be aware that there is a move to make. That's why we need to be circumspect. There's a step that we're to take, and it's also true there is a step to avoid and all of this speaks of a path and a plan for our lives and our need to stay on that plan that God has given us. The thought is this, think before you make a move. The understanding is this, it requires planning in life if we're going to do it well. It means you're thinking before you rush into a commitment. And God says that we have two choices when it comes to how we live our lives. We can either be foolish in how we live our lives or we can be wise in how we live our lives. Now, the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when we have an awesome respect for God, we're going to know He's the source of wisdom. So if I want to live a wise life, and there's only two options, I'm going to have to go to God and say, God, I need a wisdom I don't have. I need to discern your, your will for my life so that I can live according to your plan for our life. That's why David, the king, the most powerful man in the world at that time could pray, God, would you teach me to number my days? I think of James, the younger brother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said this, if any of you lack wisdom, any of you today would say, that's me. I could use some more. Good, very good. I'm most concerned about those who did not lift a hand this morning, okay? But uh, he said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally, and it braideth not, and it shall be given him. You see, if we live a life on the run and rush through each day, we are missing the peace that God wants us to have. His plan, his path would never lead us to that self-induced exhaustion that we all profess to have from time to time. David in Psalm 23 said this, The Lord is my shepherd. He's a shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Please know today, God does not drive us like cattle. He's a shepherd. He leads us like sheep. 
And he knows enough about sheep to realize there are times where we need to be made to lie down. We, we can either learn to live in a cadence that we derive from the Bible, or we're going to have those times where God's going to come into our lives and say, listen, you've redlined too long, you've gone too far this way, I'm going to force you to sit down for a while. Because God loves us that much. He'll make us to lie down. Many times we're rushing to meet expectations that other people have placed on us. Trying to perform up to what we think the standard of another person is. We let everyone in the world be our boss. Make our schedules. Sometimes it's expectations we've set even on ourselves. Now I'm not talking today about the occasional deadline at work or something that requires us to put in extra time. We all understand those moments. I'm talking about those of us who are perennially worn out. We're almost happy when someone says, how are you doing, to reply, boy, am I tired. Boy, am I busy. Boy, am I really wearing myself out. We almost want to celebrate that. And I'm saying that, that our constant fatigue is a testimony that we've left God's plan that brings protection. That leads us to the third thought this morning. God's plan leads to production. I say, well, pastor, if I'm going to do everything you've said to this point, I'm not going to get near as much done in my life. And I'm telling you today that God's plan doesn't lead us to get less done. It leads us to get more accomplished. In verse 16, the Bible says it this way, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And the idea in the word redeeming, it's to be efficient. It means to make the best use of, to buy back something. And, and it deals with a life that is streamlined and efficient. And, and as I live the life that God has for me, he will lead me to live an efficient life. And that means that sometimes I will actually have to say to a request, no thank you. No, thank you. Not in my notes, but spending time with Callie last week. Uh, it, if she didn't want anything, no, thank you. Callie, go to bed. No, thank you. You know, she said no, thank you to everything. She's learned this at a young age, you know, how to use the word no. She puts thank you at the end. It's, it's okay for some reason. But we're going to have to learn at times in our lives uh, to realize that every opportunity is not an obligation. It's okay sometimes to say, you know what? I'm, I'm just not going to be able to do that. We're going to have to say no to some things. Listen, sometimes we're going to have to say no to good things. We're going to have to say no to things that are, are going to put us in a place that's uh, doing more than God would have us to do. I remember as I was starting the church uh, here, and as I was just my first time being a pastor, I wanted to do everything and be everywhere, and, and uh, really that was almost possible in those early days. Very few people. In fact, when our church started, uh, I, I knew of only uh, three other people that were going to be in our first service, my wife and two daughters, so I already was pretty dialed in with them, you know, and we had 38 people, uh, on our, local people on our first Sunday, and uh, I got to know them pretty quick, and I was going to ball games, and we were at people's homes every night, and I mean, it was just, uh, I felt like, man, I'm doing it. I, I'm, I'm involved in everybody's life. I, I'm, I'm there for everything, and as our church began to, to grow, uh, I reached a point where I'm like, this just isn't possible anymore, and by the way, I created a bit of an expectation that I would be there for everything and do everything and it was a difficult transition for our church and also for me when I realized man I can't do it all and then I thought wait a minute I can't do it all maybe that means I'm not supposed to do it all and as simple as that sounds it liberated me I thought you know I, I can't help everyone there's a few reasons why I can't help everyone and you can't help everyone first of all there's not enough time to help everybody so we have to make decisions. There's just not enough time. Second reason, I don't know how to help everyone. 21 years of pastoring, you'd think I've heard it all, but I routinely hear things, and I'm like, I, I have no idea. 
But somebody does. I'll help you find someone who can help you. I, I don't know how to help you in that situation. And then finally, and this was hard for me to realize, not everybody wants help. <laughs> you know, so I'm rushing to try and give someone some counsel, and unrequested uh, counsel is never appreciated. And, and so I had to say, listen, I can't possibly do everything. And when I started with God's help to align my schedule uh, with people that I could help who wanted help, I sensed that I was wasting less time and truly getting more impactful work done. The thought that doing less would lead me to get more done was slow in coming, but when I got a hold of that, it changed my life. Redeeming the time. This means living efficiently, and we can't live a streamlined life if our time is filled with things that don't match his purpose or his plan. Now, I'm going to ask a rhetorical question. You don't have to raise your hand and answer out loud. How many of you think it's possible, possible, that on planet Earth right now, there's a father who's really, really good, I mean a superstar on his recreational sports team, and he hasn't had a meaningful conversation with his children in weeks? possible how many of you think it's possible that there's a wife somewhere in the world who's really really good at keeping up on facebook but she hasn't seen her husband's face in a while see sometimes our problem isn't just that we're busy it's that we're busy doing the things that aren't the most important things again i'm not against recreation i'm i'm for all of those things i try to find time to get to the gym and do, do all of those things but but listen there are moments in time in which decisions need to be made that focus on what matters most and when we do that the product is always better you're not just getting more things done you're focusing on what matters most and you're letting god use you in that way that leads us to the fourth thought this morning I want you to understand next your production comes from god's power and i hope you notice the sequence in which we're moving today your production comes from god's power as a pastor i find that i i tend to emphasize this is what god says we're to do and that needs to be said but i think sometimes we need very practical messages like this from the bible where we learn hey and this is how you do that this is how you put it into practice and uh, this passage does that for us. In verse 18, the Bible says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And, and a big lesson there is that we are not to look for something to pump us up or to bring us down. That is a job that God wants to do by His Spirit. And when we feel as though we have more to do than time to do it, we need to get back to the imperatives in our life, those things that only we can do. We have to take the plan that got us in the mess we're in, and then we have to think through that and we have to come humbly to, to God and say, God, listen, my life is chaotic right now. I know that's not your desire for my life. And so I'm coming to you. Lord, would you help me? In Proverbs 16 and verse 9, the Bible says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. You see, sometimes our heart gets out ahead of God. People that tell you, just follow your heart. I would say, no, don't follow your heart. Your heart's like mine. We're to follow God. 
And when we get out in front of the Lord, what happens is we feel stressed out and burned out. And then we start to freak out and life can go downhill quickly. And all of that's because when we rush out ahead of God, we're not living his power. We're doing what we're doing based on our power, our intellect, our ability, which is far, far inferior to that which God, by way of his spirit, can infuse into our lives. You see, this is not one of those messages where we cover a passage of Scripture, we get the historical context, the setting, and we can check it off in our mind. Got it. I know that now. Move on to the next one, Pastor. This is one of these messages that, frankly, we've got to revisit all of the time because there's not one of us that handles our time right every time. I was thinking about this. If mess-ups were push-ups, I'd be ripped, man. Because what I'm teaching you today is something I've got to come back to regularly and say, Lord, all right, I'm feeling, I'm feeling afraid again. I, I've brought this unnecessary sense of exhaustion into my life. This isn't just one of those moments that requires you to press through it and go on. God, I've done something wrong here. Would you, would you help me, God? I'm, I'm living in my power when I need to be living in your power. Moses sought to do more than God would have him to do at times. And it was in the midst of that God brought some counsel into his life. In Exodus 18, Moses had to hear this. Moses, thou wilt surely wear away, both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. And I have found many times, it's, it's these type A people that want to get it done. We get so wrapped up in what we want to accomplish and what we want to do that we can miss some of the more important things. And we can push into a zone where it's just, it's just our sheer grit and willpower and determination, which is the antithesis of the Christian life. We're to be surrendered and yielded to God saying, you know, time management for, for me begins by discerning what the will of the Lord is. And as we do God's work, God's ways, we live out His will he will empower us to do that which he would have us to do. Moses, like all of us, had to learn to fully rely on God. And that leads to the final thought that I'll share with you this morning. God's power leads to peace. Peace is something that is so lacking today. I could point to so many places where it's absent, but many times it's in our lives our relationships, our families, our homes. And I'm telling you that when we follow this process and come to the point where we say, all right, God, if I'm going to do this life you've given me your way, it's going to require your help, your empowering. What happens is a peace comes into our lives. We understand all I've got to do is what God wants me to do, and he's already promised by his spirit to give me the strength to do what only I can do. The closing verses in our study were not found after a passage dealing with time, I think we'd miss out on an important part of this message. In verses 19 to 21, the Bible says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And this text goes on and there are great truths found in those words I just read to you, but one of the big core lessons we find there is, is that the fact that we can have a joy filled heart that is expressing gratitude and enjoying relationships when we live life God's way. You see, one underestimated value in managing our lives after God's plan is the peace that comes from the time that we do have. A peace 
over the years, I've been at the bedside of many people who were very close to death. And I've had some great conversations with people like that. Great conversations. I remember Jean Wells, a longtime member of our church who recently went to heaven and speaking with her in the hospital. She said with conviction, she meant it. I mean, she wasn't blowing smoke. She said, Pastor, I'm not worried about this at all. Going to heaven. She said, I wanted to go by way of the rapture, but however it happens, I'm going to heaven. (laughs) Great confidence. And I've had other talks with people where sometimes regrets have been shared. You know, I've never one time, never one time sat by the bed of someone who's close to entering eternity, as we say, and heard them say to me, you know, my regret is I just wish I'd have logged a few more hours at work. I wish I'd have worked more hours. That, that's not the kind of thing you hear. What, what often you hear is, you know, I wish I would have, would have followed Jesus more closely. I wish I'd have been more faithful at church. I wish I'd have read the word of God more. I wish I'd have served more. I wish I'd have given more. I wish I'd been with my family more. And friends, I'm telling you today that an overloaded schedule leads to a lack of peace in our lives. And that leads to regrets. Job 3, the Bible says, I was not in safety, neither had I rest. Neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Now let's contrast that verse with what we read in Psalm 46, where the Bible says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. God there telling the psalmist, Hey, relax, I'm God. I am large. I am in charge. You just need to be still and let me do the work in your life. In the early 70s, there was a folk singer by the name of Harry Chapin, and he sang a song called The Cats in the Cradle. How many of you have ever heard that song, okay? Good. There was a spoof several years ago called The Cats in the Kettle, also a good song, but uh, I'm thinking now of the original one, The Cats in the Cradle. And it was a song, for those of you who haven't heard it, uh, uh, starts out a little boy, he's wanting his dad's time. Wanting his dad's time. But his dad says, no, nah, not now, I'm busy, I'll get to you later, son, I'll get to you later, and Later, 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 and then the song moves on, and as it moves on, now you've got an old father who's looking at the same son who wanted his time, saying, hey, son, can we get together? And the son's telling the dad, no, not now, I'm busy, later, later, later. And it's really a sad song of how life goes so often. The son wants the dad's attention and favor, and then the the thing turns around, and it's a dad that wants to be with the kids, but there was really no relationship established back then, and and it's just not happening. What's interesting about that song is is Harry, who was a, a brilliant songwriter himself, did not write it. It was written by his wife, Sandy. What's interesting about that song is it was a number one hit, and it put Harry Chapin on the road. In fact... He was singing 200 concerts a year. One day, Sandy, his wife, came to him and said, you know, you're traveling around around America singing that song, and you've got a son at home you haven't seen. He said, you're right. He said, after this year, I'm taking time off to be with my family. And shortly after making that statement, he died in a car accident. So many times we say, you know, I'm going to get to that which is most important. Friends, I'm telling you today, as we follow God, we live in the most important. We think thoughts daily of, Lord, there's nothing more important to me than my walk with you. How how am I doing as a Christian? 
God, humanly, there's no person more important in my life than my wife. How am I doing as a husband? How am I doing as a dad? How, how am I doing as a friend? How am I doing in this way or that way? It, 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 it allows us to live in the most important. None of us are guaranteed a tomorrow. Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 27. He said, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And as this passage we study today teaches us, it would be a wise decision to say, God, you're not only the creator of life in general, you've given me the life I have. And God, you know better than I how it should be lived. And so, Lord, help me to begin the management of the time I have by saying, Lord, what's your will? And as I grow in my understanding of your will, Lord, help me to do what you'd have me to do at the pace in which you'd have it to be done, relying on your power, enabling, and strength along the way. You see, in relation to our time, in relation to our time, one day you will either say, I'm glad I did, or you'll say, man, I wish I had. I, I wish I had. And this message today is my best attempt as we get into the Bible to bring us to the place where we can live that life that says, I'm glad I did. Time, it goes so fast. Somebody asked me this week, you seem to have a good relationship with your grown children. How do you do that? My first thought was, well, it starts by having a good relationship with little tiny children. <laughs> Man, that, time, that time's gone. I feel bad about that sometimes, but I'm glad I can look back and say, at least when it comes to my kids, man, I'm glad I did. Glad I went to those games. I'm glad I was there. Glad I went to the dumb school programs that I really didn't want to be at, but I was there for them. Glad for that. Glad I did. Oh, there are a few things along the way where I think, man, could have done better there. But a quality life from today forward it comes when we can say, God, help me to live this life that you've given me your way. And when that's done, we'll live the kind of life that says, I'm glad I did. Our Father, we're grateful.